Welcome to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, Oregon and Southwest Washington's number one show for real estate news and information. Without further ado, here are your hosts and a couple of guys who as busy realtors and successful brokerage owners know a thing or two about real estate. Steve Nassar of Premier Property Group and Joe Fistolo of Soldera Properties. Welcome everybody. Fabulous. Welcome everybody. This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast and this is a pinnacle episode. It's episode 150. You have listened to us 150 times and keep coming back for more. And if you want to make it easy on yourself, hit that subscribe button and it will happen automatically. Today, we are honored with a repeat guest, Eric Post, and I'll let Steve dive into the, the formal introductions. But what's great about having Eric on the show is he dabbles in so many different things that it's always something completely different than why we had him on the last time. So it's it's always great content because when you get smart people together, there's going to be a lot of information on one of the most hottest topics. Just in my email this morning, I had get a learn a class on AI. And that's what we're talking about. Artificial intelligence. Introducing our guest is my co-host, Steve Nassar. Take it away. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, Eric, we're we're thrilled to have you back. You're a repeat guest. You're always an interesting and, and lively conversation with a lot of insight into whatever you're doing. And you obviously you have a ton of experience in the real estate space. I mean, having been around, gosh, how how long have you been a licensed realtor, Eric? It's years? been twenty years. Oh. Yeah, yeah, 20 years. yeah. And then now you've got a new undertaking, relatively new, and you've been working on it. And we'll ask you. We'll go into how long you've been working on it and and, and what exactly you're doing. But it has to do with artificial intelligence. I don't think that is going to be a word anyone has not heard recently or I guess two words that anyone has not heard recently. I I don't think you can spin a dead cat by its tail, which I don't recommend doing, by the way, (laughs) without without hearing or seeing the words artificial intelligence or AI. And there's a lot of buzz, a lot of hype, a lot of chatter about that everywhere, including Wall Street, the real estate. I mean, every industry, right? And it almost feels to me akin to maybe the early days of the internet or the, you know the early days gosh you you name it right so big things like that so let's take it away eric welcome to the hey, show what's up guys you know first of all it should be akin to those things that you just mentioned like the internet because in in my personal opinion it's actually a bigger revolution that we're at, right at the precipice of than than anything that we've ever experienced in our lifetime including huh. the, including the internet yeah so. Makes well, sense. Tell us, tell us, tell us your experience here, Eric. Where did you, when did you start looking into this or working on it or thinking about it? Sure. So, first of all, we should probably give a definition of artificial intelligence. So, we're kind of all on the same page there as it applies directly to this industry. But to answer your question there, so a little bit of my background, of course, I've owned some brokerages, mortgage brokerages, and real estate brokerages, building companies. I've been at space a long time. And, you know, travel the world and talk to different realtors or real estate professionals of all kinds, commercial, and residential, you know, across the world. And, and as a result of that, then, you know, you kind of 
do a few things in, in coaching and consulting and startup space. And I got a nice chance to see a whole bunch of different industries over the last about six or seven years, very, very deeply in a wide variety. As I started to kind of look at some of the technology trends, this started just popping up everywhere. And when I say this, meaning a affordable way and a practical way to use a technology like this day to day, you know, in the streets for the average business owner, the average independent contractor, like a realtor or so on and so forth. So it's just this revival of a technology has been around for a couple of decades, but revamped and repackaged and put in a way that now you and me and Joe and everybody listening can use it today in a very, very practical manner. So AI, AI is as we see it. And you guys have used ChatGPT a little bit. Yeah, I think I've never used it. it. Everybody had it write a a rhyming country song about (laughs) you and your friends going to the beach or something. And, and, but beyond that, (laughs) not much. And so digging into the implementation of how we could use it to make us more efficient is something we'll unpack a little bit later. But for now, you know, what inspired you to create this company and how did you kind of identify that this is going to be the next big thing? Because Steve and I wake up and look in our emails and there's six emails from overnight about artificial intelligence and there's a class and how we need to use it. And, but no one's really kind of showed us how it could be integrated into our business. And so I know that's lots of questions, but what inspired you? How'd you kind of identify that it's going to be the next big thing? And like maybe some examples of practical uses for realtors or lenders. Sure. And some of the consulting gigs I did for startups, you know, we used AI and AI technology in a lot of the processes and a lot of the in-house, inside sort of processes. We started using it in, you know, like you guys are familiar with very like with chat bots on websites and things like that. So that's all fine. But soon as chat GPT was released and what GPT did is it took a language model, which is which is what DaVinci 3 is, which is what the underlying technology behind a chat GBT for open AI, it took that technology and it just put it in a format that you can, you can interact with just like a conversation, like, like people are online. So the minute that got released and I, I went and played with it the very first night it went out, my mind just literally exploded because what I flashed back to was brokerage owner days, you know, and I had hundreds of agents and when Facebook got released, right. Or social media came out and we taught social media classes for years and years and years, right? And I had that flashback, almost like PTSD. And I was like, oh my gosh, this technology makes social media look like infantile in terms of what it can do for your business. And if we spent years teaching Facebook classes, there's a huge opportunity to take a technology like this and become a translator and and make it more practical for people in the day-to-day that aren't you know, prompt engineer wizards and that aren't engineer techie guys. And, you know, they're salespeople, they're, they're, they're dentists, they're real estate agents. They want to do their business and not become a tech person to use this stuff. So I instantly Eric, saw real an quick, opportunity. I want to chime yeah. in two things. Chat GPT is a Microsoft product, correct? Chat GPT is actually an open AI product and Microsoft did invest in them. Yeah. Okay. $10 billion. They're an independent company. They're an independent company. Yeah. Microsoft has, do you know, percentage roughly? I mean, is it a lot? Is it a lion's share? Is it a, are they just like $10 billion they gave them? 
Okay. Um, so, so they have, they have influence and they have right. a, a stake. Cause, cause I have heard that Google is scrambling, trying to, you know, play a little catch up. And when yeah. did chat GPT get released, by the way? Let's actually, that, I'm glad you brought up Google because this technology has actually been around for a while, in, including Google had it in their, in their Lambda version and, and Meta has a version of it and so on and so forth. And the reason why Google didn't want to roll it out is because it just cannibalizes their current search engine business. You know, the, the reason why would they, they, they would want to hold on to this as long as they can, because really what a GPT does <laughs> or a chat bot does that's essentially connected to the internet it eliminates the middleman of information. It eliminates your websites. It eliminates almost all software. It eliminates, you don't need to go to a search. Google is a search engine where you go to find a place to find the information. AI just gives you the information with no friction, no searching around for a, for a place no reading. to go find no it. No reading. I, well, I mean, you read, but you read what it types, right? Like, yeah. versus it, you're researching and finding sites and clicking on them and reading and then doing it again and again. The AI did that for you and then tells you everything it found, right? Yeah. Is that a fair assessment? In a way, but the AI currently that we have, I just want to be very, very clear. It's a language model. So what that means is it's just predicting what words need to go together based in the context of your conversation that you've, you've, you begin it under. So it's not a general intelligence where it has a logic and a reasoning and things like that. It's a language model. So the algorithm is based on the predictability of what words go with what words based on what you expect it to say. Mm -hmm. Okay. So and it, gets, very, and it gets the, all this information from all of the Google searches and everything in history. That's kind of where it's pulling these answers. Kind of. The way language model works, it's trained on a data set. And the larger the data set, the more diverse the data set, and the more clean the data set is the better answers you're going to get, right? So AI basically, or excuse me, OpenAI basically took the last five years and dumped tens of millions of dollars into train a language model like this, that it would, be, it would have this sort of effect on the world, the fastest growing app, the fastest growing technology to ever land into our laps, period. So that was done with training. And what I mean by training is both training it on the data set. So what kind of information can it provide? And in what way does it give you the answers? It's got to be trained on not just what to do, but how to give it to you in the way that you expect it. So think how tricky English is or Japanese or Spanish. Yeah. These languages these language are very tricky. There's so much subtlety in the context. So the fact that we're already this far is just should be just mind blowing in terms of how good it actually is in predicting those words. Hmm. To, um, to implement this, aside from saying, hey, write me a country song, or, hey, I'm a realtor, here's a couple facts about this house, write me 500 or now 1,000 characters of remarks, which I have done that. And it's kind of great. It's, it's better to just proofread something than to just sit down with a blank piece of paper and create it, right? So I, I really appreciate that. But aside from just writing remarks, what you're saying for startups and companies and dentists and such, you can go, it's as involved as you can say, I have a dental office. I am opening my doors. I need a policy manual for my employees and I need to hire dental hygienists. So I need interview questions to ask these people. 
And I mean, it can go that detailed as to write just documents and novels of, of an entire policy manual or hiring procedure or it can Correct. do all. Correct. And to go back to your earlier question, why did I actually want to jump in is because this is a game of input output. So you give it garbage input, it's going to give you garbage output, right? And not every business person is really skilled on technical business problem solving skills, nor prompt engineering, like you really need to be good at in order to extract the quality information from a language model. And what, and what I mean by business problem skills is a lot of times we, you know, in our business, like we say, oh my gosh, I just, I need some more clients. But that's not a quality question to ask yourself to get an actual solution you can take action on in order to get more quality clients. So there is a skill involved in actually creating business problem solving that just most people just don't have. That's fine. And that's fair to say. That's not what they're in the business for. But in order to use AI effectively, that is a skill that needs to be that needs to be understood to provide a product that that kind of lowers that barrier of entry to kind of do the heavy, heavy lifting on prompt engineering for business people, to do the heavy lifting on, on how to extract information out of the language model without having to be an expert in it. That's what I, that's why I jumped in also was, was in that piece because this AI that launched, you could kind of see it already was becoming a diet pill for the business community. It's like, how can I make my life easier? How can I get this thing to do things for me? What can I get off my plate? Right. But that's like hiring an untrained employee and then just telling it to do stuff without training, you know, and without thoughtfulness and without planning and without strategy. So that made me nervous, right? There's just a lot of garbage just being blog post. I wanted to write all my blog posts now. Well, we're just going to flood the internet with a whole bunch of just generic stuff. So I just thought it would be a great space to jump in to help people think through an actual problem, apply it to their business, get quality content, get a quality strategy, and become a part of an entire workflow, just not a thing that you delegate if you'd ask to or write a song with, right? Yeah, I thought about that. I, I actually, I think on Facebook, have advertisements now for artificial intelligence writing your blog posts. And just just yesterday I saw that and I was and I knew we had this coming up and I was kind of thinking about it. And to your point, Eric, it feels like there's a great equalizer at some point, right? I mean, you know, the early adopters, sure, they're gonna have an assuming they're good blog posts. And I have no reason to think it can't write good blog posts. Like if you said, write me, tell me everything there is to know about Lake Oswego or you know, the lake or a neighborhood. It's going to search everything ever written and, and online and create content on that, which is impressively better than anything you, I or Joe could ever manually do, right? We could never read everything written about, you know, those topics. We could, first of all, we could never read everything about those topics. So that's interesting. But where I was going with that, to your point, like, okay, so I start doing that. And maybe I'm an early adopter and my blog looks looks interesting and, you know, you get some credibility from it. But then Joe goes, well, I'm going to do that. And, and everybody's doing that. Now we're all on the same level playing field, right? No, no one's going to go, I'm going with Stephen Sarkis's blogs are great because everyone's do, doing yeah. the same stuff. So so there is a component of that. So tell us yeah. where you see this, you know, tease us and our listeners. Sure. Where are people going to use this and how in our industry in meaningful ways? So, so first of all, I don't think this is actually a playing field leveler. I believe this is the most gap creator, the largest gap creator we've ever experienced. This is the most 
this is the this is technology that will unlevel the playing field more than we've ever seen before. Because if you look at your if you look at your rosters now, you look at the RMLS or, or you look at the the median producers compared to the top producers, generally it's about a 300 percent difference in real estate between the average producer in real estate and the top the top quartile. That's that's pretty standard in, in most real estate companies, even across the country. That will actually probably double. And and the reason why I say that, because AI, think of it as cognitive labor. It's cognitive labor. And if a smart person can harness cognitive labor very inexpensively with very little friction, very quickly to execute, the, the people that actually do that <laughs> will be light years ahead of the people that either don't do it or that just delegate a few tasks to and say, write my blog post or create a social media strategy for me. Right. Yeah. Let me it's, clarify one thing, Eric. I'm not saying the AI is isn't important. I'm saying if it's so important that everybody's going to start using it. Let me, and, and I'm going to use an analogy that we discussed earlier. You know, imagine it's 1994 and the internet is first coming out, and me and Joe own a brokerage together. And I go, Hey, Joe, let's start emails and let's get all of our agents emailing each other, and we'll start communicating that way. And we're going to be better than everyone, right? And we would be for a while. Until everybody has to do that, you know, and then, then, you know, it's 2020 or 2010, me and Joe aren't sitting around going, oh my gosh, we're, we're killing it because we're using email. Everybody had to use email. So I, I'm not diminishing the AI. I'm just saying yeah. when everyone starts using it and there will be people using it better. I'm not saying that e either, but it'll be an equalizer and that everybody will be forced to use it. That is, does that make more sense? What I was it, saying? It does, but I totally get it. And I see what you're saying, the way I'm viewing it, and this is just my opinion, just completely my opinion. You know, if you go to the gym, you see the people that go to the gym or you see the people that go to the gym, right? You see the people that like take their spouse on a date and you see the people that like really take their spouse sure, on a date. Sure. sure. And the same is true of the internet, right? And emails and everything. Yeah, yeah. But but that with this, I can't I can't stress enough how the magnitude of difference between using AI and using AI. Yeah, yeah. No. Right. So tell us how so. to use it. Tell tell us what you envision that usage will be. Flash forward a few years, and what what does our world look like for those that are really using it well? Yeah. So in order to have that conversation, and I want to dive into that too, I, I'd like to point out that we do think of this, you know, as, as how are we going to use it? How is this industry going to use it? And so on and so forth. But if we don't have the other conversation, meaning how is our customers using it? What's their expectations? What's their experience like? We're, we're only having half of the conversation. So that's the other thing to really consider is that our clients are going to be familiar with this. And we've already seen a trend in this industry. And I'm going to say this I say this lovingly, right? I've spent 20 years in this business. I've owned businesses here. I, I love this space. So I, I give this criticism lovingly without, without judgment. Real estate is really lacking a lot of creativity and it's just absorbed in mediocrity. Sure, and, and we, we agree. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, that's a really big problem. And as the consumers get less and less tolerant of their sales professional making tens of thousands of dollars because they feel like they need to use them, not that there was a lot of value there and that gap keeps you know getting bigger and bigger and bigger i have some big concerns about the average agent being able to compete with the agents that are are meeting their clients expectations right in in that sort of way so i think we should talk about you know how we're going to use in this industry too but we'd also talk about what do the clients expect you know and and what mm -hmm. are their what's their experience going to be like so for instance the real estate space right now if you look at search and whatnot it's so regimented 
it's, you know, how do you search by square footage, by, you know, neighborhood, by these very predetermined, predefined boxes that the industry puts upon the client, right? We say, clients, here's how you're going to search for the properties that we're going to put on the market. But right now, like I'm actually working on a project where imagine where the client says, show me all the kitchens with granite countertops for sale in Lake Oswego, just in a search bar, right? Wouldn't that be much better interface than searching through the front picture of the house and cycling through to find the kitchen, you know, pictures and so on and so forth, right? Like we need to really reimagine the way the industry approaches technology and approaches the consumer. And, And it just hasn't been done yet, but it also wasn't done because it's very expensive and very hard. We just have an opportunity now to really do a good job for our clients that we haven't had before. So I just want to mm-hmm. kind of, I wasn't planning on saying something like that, but it makes a lot of sense that we should have that conversation, especially in a group like this that cares about their clients, right? So, so where yeah. are we in this process, right? So remember when the first fax machine came out, right? It was, you know, hundred years ago. Yeah, it's a new thing, fax machine. You can get a piece of paper and send it over there. And so there were all these early adapters, but if you're the first person to buy a fax machine, guess what? You have nobody <laughs> to fax and yeah. nobody's going to fax you. And it kind of takes a while before. Buy two. Buy it. two and start faxing to the other side of the room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so where is AI in this? Are we still in the, you know, infantile stage? I mean, there's a lot of buzz about it, but are people really digging in and and going all the way to their eyebrows of we're in this AI and it's working for me already? Or is it just kind of like, how do I make this work for me? And we haven't really been embraced by businesses yet. Do you know? There's only been, there's only been a really a few months where the GPT style technology has been available, right? And that is even changing so quickly. So it's only been when when, like December ish. Yeah. Yeah. That was when the product was released, Eric. I'm just trying to wrap my head around because it Please. really has hit us like a tidal wave of all this information about AI. Yeah. That was when it was released, ChatGPT? It was. It was late November. And, okay. and just a little nostalgic, I just want to put this out there. If you really think about it, I'm just a little romantic at heart sometimes. From when the internet was released, like let's say 93, 92 or whatever, to November, let's say, of 2022, the internet was comprised of essentially 100% human content. That's the only time ever going forward that we're going to have a time capsule of the things that were posted, the things that were written, the things that were discussed online was done by people. And now a a vast majority of stuff is going to start to be written by AI or assisted with the content creation of AI. And I'm not just talking text, videos, photos, audios, everything about it. So just to just kind of put that out there, really kind of, you know, like, okay, that was a time period where everything was human. Right. So there's even some discussions about moving forward. What happens? Is there a spiraling of content that it starts getting less and less good because we don't have as much human content to train future AI models on because it's AI models training AI models? There's these sorts of discussions that are happening already. Right. But hey, I'll just I'll just quit Facebook and I'll have my AI friend your guys's AI, and then it could read each other's blog yeah. posts, and then I don't have to spend the time. So I'm going to let you guys in a secret. This is a big secret. Nobody knows this, but some of the stuff on the internet isn't true. (laughs) I'm telling you the truth. And so we have AI that's pulling this information. How does the AI technology 
know to pull what's true versus all the fake news out there. So, so to be clear, ChatGBT in its current form, you're using 3.5, 3.5 Turbo, 4, whatever you're signed up for and whatever you're using, ChatGPT in itself is not connected to the internet when you're using it. It's only trained up to 2021 internet data and then, and then, and then data sets that are not internet related, but context related, information related, not, not internet related. That said, they take that same thing and they integrate it with the Bing model. And now it does have internet capabilities. Google is doing the same thing. There's ChatGPT plugins where you can use on your Chrome browser that it does connect to the internet. But I just want to be really clear. I don't want to mislead anybody. When you go to ChatGPT and you, and you log in, it's not actually connected to the internet. I did read that. And Eric, you're absolutely right. I'm glad you said that. I was just reading an Inman article. Again, we're, all, we're just being flooded with, by this stuff left and right. Yeah. And it was talking about real estate and artificial intelligence. And it said that exact same thing. It said, like, if you wanted to write a blog about the current real estate market or last month's RMLS data, you can't because it's it's to, through 2021. I thought that was interesting. I did not know that. And I've heard it now twice, that article and in you here. So yeah. And, and and also be clear when you hear things like it gives me wrong information, you'll hear that like it gave me wrong information. That's simply because our expectations, it didn't, it actually provided a perfectly accurate syntax, well-formed sentence or paragraph back to you. The reason why it sounds so confident or it feels like it's lying it's that game it's playing of trying to understand what you're asking of it based on what you're on what your input. So th that's this subtlety where models like what I'm building, like Hoozy, is an example of, of being able to like provide additional boundaries and parameters so you don't get back stuff that's just wrong. Right. Because it needs to be in context of the work that you're doing through it. ChatGPT, especially the new four, is is so cool. It's it's hard to imagine. I'm I'm slightly like still mind blown. And, and I don't get really super impressed this easily, but when I saw right, right now I'm, I'm creating an app for an automated sequence for a company using, using chat GPT, but also automated programs. So if you can imagine like just being on your phone and this is CEO of a, of a company, just be on your phone and be like, Hey, I need to research you know, the, the, the supply chain issue, and I need to send a task list to my ops team, so on and so forth. And I need to send myself a reminder to get my wife a present, right? Just like this, all of a sudden, we're going to create all these little mini assistants and these bots go out with just a note like that. And it, you know, it sends emails, it sends a text, it makes an appointment to make your reservation, your dinner reservation for you. It can buy something on, on Amazon and ship it to you. Like right now, this is all available, right? So it's kind of a reflection of your creativity, if you think of it that way. If you if you go to ChatGPT and you kind of sit there and you're like looking at what, what can it do, it's a reflection of your creativity. It's a, it's a reflection of your understanding of business. It's a reflection of your understanding of what you're trying to accomplish. So if you sit down in your blank, it's because you're just not clear of what you're trying to accomplish. No different than if you go to Costco and you don't have a shopping list. It's overwhelming, right? If you go to use AI and you don't have a plan, it's going to be overwhelming. Same, same sort of thing. The rest of the world has to accommodate this, right? I mean, what happens? What if you went into AI and said, show me houses that only have granite countertops? I mean, would you get the results that you're looking for? Or does everybody else have to, you know, open up a port and be ready for that? I mean, what would happen okay. if you said, just show me that now? 
Yeah, I don't have a chart here or something like that, but but let's let's see. So if you view the internet, it was this whole big ball of stuff. Google just was a portal to the internet to sort it out for you. Apps on your phone are just little mini micro portals into the internet to do specific things. That's what ChatGPT is. That's what my company Hoosie will be. These, so if you can think of the natural language model like DaVinci 3 or a ChatGPT as this whole thing, this entire industry is springing up of like essentially apps on your phone for AI because they're building technology companies on top of the language model. Okay. So for instance, I'm trying to answer your question about like searching for properties. So no, if you went to ChatGPT and did it, no. But like one of the projects I'm working on will be for real estate to where I'll take the information, the data sets from the RMLS, from Zillow, from RS Media, from Bankrate.com, from all these different places. I can create my own data sets and my own rules for conversing with that data set using ChatGPT technology. Okay. So what I mean by that is you'll be able to have a conversation just like you do about ChatGPT, but with any information that you want. And when I say any information you want could be the entire MLS. Okay. So you could say, I, you know, show me the bedroom photos of the listing at one, two, three, first street. And that's what you get. It's literally that it's a conversation with the data set. That's what the chat GPT allows you to do. And that's why it's so powerful. So when I say this just eliminated like 90% of all software ever written, that's what I mean, because software is essentially a sequential chain of events. You fill in the box and it does this. You fill in the box, it does this. You click this button, it does this. All that stuff just kind of got mashed together. And now you can say, hey, Mr. Expert, the language model, show me the closing date on, on the listing on First Street without having to go through and find the page that has a closing date, without having to log in and, and filling out the form. It just would tell you because it has a data right in front of you. So you just ask it a question. So imagine is it a conversation with data is really what we're talking about. So it's an assist hmm. assistant. Like if I had a person standing here and yeah. I'd say, give me the Bradford file, see if my car is charged to capacity and just give them a list of things and then they go do it. But instead cognitive, of person, cognitive labor, instead cognitive of a person, it's, it's a, it's a thing. And yeah. that's conceptually blows my head off. I mean, that is yeah. crazy stuff. I, I literally didn't sleep for three days when I started, I really understood what could be done. Now, here's the thing. I don't believe in using this technology, especially at first to make our lives easier. I don't believe in that. I think that will dumb us down. I think that will dull our business senses. That'll take away our intuition. That'll make our businesses more generic. It'll make it less personalized. That's not, I believe this is a technology that you augment. So instead of just saying, hey, go do this for me, I'm saying, listen, if I wanted to create a policy manual, what would be all the things that I should consider to create a world-class policy manual for my company that does this with this many employees that has, right? Then it would, then you could use it to augment your professionalism, to increase your intellect, to, to increase your knowledge of actually how to perform these tasks. So I, I just have concern that people are just going to be like, say, hey, go do this for me. And, you know, then what do we end up with? That's what I mean by a gap creator. But because not everybody's going to want to do it the hard way, like I'm talking about. But the people that mm -hmm. will do will reap all the rewards, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. for instance, with Hoosie, Hoosie's the name of my company. It's H-U-Z-I. And the reason why I'm doing it specifically is because as I was working with ChatGPT, I saw if I was a business person, a salesperson, a small business owner, there were some kind of hangups, right, that, that was giving me, a, I had to find workarounds to. 
you know? And so I was like, how can I just take these problems away and just provide a platform? Let's go. Then I don't have to worry about having to figure it all out. So that's why I came with Hoosie. So when you talk about cognitive labor and these experts, what I did was I took a business, a business model, successful business of any kind. And I've been fortunate to, to work with some amazing businesses and different technologies and different spaces. And I broke it down and figured out that really what's happening is that these successful businesses are well-rounded. They can make promises, meaning create sales and generate revenue, and they can keep those promises through operations and follow-up and so on and so forth, right? They're good at both things, left brain and right brain. Most of us aren't. <laughs> Most of us are really good at one thing and not the other. So I thought, well, what if I could kind of round out those edges for people? So if I were to have a business, I would want a CMO, a CFO, a CEO, right? So on and so forth, a C-level suite of executives in six different departments to really have a well-rounded business. So I'm taking AI and I'm training these C-level suite kind of personalities that you can use to work through your business problems, right? So imagine walking into a boardroom and you've got a team of six experts. And you're like, here's my problem. I need to generate some more leads. Operations, what do you suggest? CEO, what do you suggest? Sales and marketing team, what do you suggest, right? And you start to be able to kind of create brainstorming and say, well, if I were to do this, what systems would I need to have in place? Well, if I had these systems in place, how much money do I need to make to pay for it, right? You, it's a real business. It's a real business solution. That's what Hoosie is. And that's what I'm creating right now. It's pretty cool. Hmm. So what, what is Hoosie? Like, what, how'd you get the name? I'll release that later. But it's a tech company, first of all. So you got to think of a weird name to, to be cool. In right. this space. But, but really, I was, I was deeply concerned with the whole wisdom side of it, right? We, had the, we, have, all this, we have all this knowledge. Information is just completely commoditized now. I don't need to go to your websites to get your workout plans. I don't need to go to your website to, to get your recipes. I just get it directly from a language model now or from, from an AI. So since all information is just completely commoditized now, wisdom got elevated. And so I was really thinking about how do we make business people more wise? How do we give them increased self-esteem in their business? In their business. So I thought of wisdom and then it was like an owl. And I thought of these owl eyes and then hoots. And so we just, it, I'll explain more later, but that's really how I came up with the name. Okay. Cool. Based on that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a tech company. I just want, I want to keep, I want to keep going with how real world applications for us, Good. real world sure. applications. I, I, and we have some, we have some, some great input from our listeners here. You know, Rick Gray's made a few comments. I don't know why some of these disappeared on me, but Minnie said it would be amazing. I'm, I'm certain she was talking about maybe the search engine or something like that when we we're talking mm -hmm. about that. And, and Grady Nelson said, Eric, how do we get this out of the gate as agents become successful using it? So let's just talk about Grady's question. Like, what does being successful using it in your mind look like? And, and, and maybe not even today. Flash forward three, five years. But tell us what you envision. I have a, I'll, I'll tell you where I'm going with this. I have a book club on my team. My team members, I pick the book, usually sometimes with, with some input from them. We read it together. We get together in our office, you know, every month or so. We actually have it today, later on today. And what's the book, by the way? Right now, right now, it's Steve Jobs. It's Walter Isaacson's Steve Jobs. Before that was Shoe Dog, the story of Phil Knight. And we're very excited about that movie coming out, which was coincidentally wow. not. Yeah. So here's, here's where I'm going with this. We just started the Steve Jobs book. I've read it before, by the way. And, and having read it, I wanted my team to read it and us to go through it together. One of my favorite quotes in that book that relates so much to what we're talking about right now, the best way to predict the future is to invent it. I see that happening here. Okay. Those who foresee an agent five years from now 
and what it should look like will be the ones that create that reality, right? So what does that look like for you, Eric? Yeah, correct. So it's interesting you brought this book up. So inside of Hoosie, one of the things that I realized with ChatGPT, and by the way, this isn't a personal plug. So I'm going to bring up these things that I solved with Hoosie, because if you know why I solved them, then you can maybe find your own workaround. So I'm not trying to plug Hoosie, but these are very real challenges. One of the challenges, how do I get real wisdom? right? By using these models, by using language models. They're, they're language models and they're great, but it isn't true like wisdom and, and techniques and whatnot. So I realized that if I was going to be in there with my person, my, with my AI personalities, I wanted the ability to be able to also like, what if he could be or she could be trained on this book? What if I could have a self-help book in there to where I'm I'm asking language model stuff, but it's also referencing the wisdom, the strategies, the techniques, the data, the studies, whatever in these great books. So mm-hmm. what I'm also doing is when you're in Hoosie, and let's say that you're you're talking to your CEO is your or you're acting as a CEO working on your own ideas. That's how I want to think of it. Not that not that this is an external thing. This is a way for you to flesh out your ideas. Okay. So if you're in there thinking of the CEO sort of role in your business, but I'm like, but I want to write this. I want to write this note to my team, but I want to write it with some suggestions or advice from Steve Jobs. Click a button. All right. So for instance, I have the, the top five currently books for sales and marketing. That I think they're world-class leadership, operations, financial management. So when you're in Hoosie, you'll be able to just using AI language model sort of stuff trained on my personality types. And then you'd be like, you know what? I also want to get the advice of Steve Jobs on this. Click a button. And now the answers will start coming back to you in context with what you're asking with books like this. That's cool. That's, That's really wild, cool. Right? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. And and where I was going with that, Eric, back to what I was saying. It, back in the 80s, Steve Jobs told, he went to a Harvard class and he did a presentation, early 80s, they'd just gone public. And he said, in the future, there will be computers the size of a book. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's called the iPad. Now, the technology didn't exist then. But he saw it, and then he later made that happen. So I right. think in this case, a guy like you, what are you seeing five years from now or 10 years from now, us agents using AI for that you're trying to make happen What in our day-to-day business? Yeah, great question. So, so the first step is to almost buck every trend that you're seeing it being used as. So when you're seeing everybody doing these massive blog posts, right? I think the, you do the, which is like shouting to the masses, because it's so easy now to create quality content because you use language model, give you a rough draft, Joe, like you said earlier, and then it's much easier to edit something and personalize it than it is to come up with scratch. So if it used to take you an hour to write a blog post, let's say, you could now write maybe six in an hour, okay? If that's true, then instead of posting this stuff, the way I'm using, I'm creating a, a product called Who's Follow-Up, is let's say you're in an open house and you've met 10 people and you collected four emails, right? Or four phone numbers. The first person mentioned that they love gardening. The second person, they love animals. The third person, they love aquatic sports, whatever, right? Now you can actually create detailed blog posts for each one of those customers to send them by the end of the day. That's wildly a better follow-up than, it was nice to meet you today. If you'd like to see other houses, let me know, right? Hey, I enjoyed our conversation. Here's a list of all the different grass types that would go great in this environment and a link to more information. If you want to hear, you know, go here. Here's a master... Like that can be created a really detailed, really helpful, really valuable micro blog for a specific individual, not just to post out and, and use. So that's how I'm personally using it is this detailed 
relationship builder. I'm going to wow you with some knowledge right now and wisdom to help you get through your problem. Right. And that's, that's a who's yeah. your follow program. So that's, that's interesting. That's very interesting. You got me thinking. I mean, you could probably use this artificial intelligence to research those clients. Right. I mean, in ways that even Google never could have done before. Right. Or research what they're interested in. Right. So that you yeah. now are up to speed with that. Right. Yeah. So that's, and that's coming to, you know, which is part of that, you know, there's a lot of conversation need to be had about ethics. A lot of conversation need to be had about data privacy. There's a lot of conversations need to be had around, around deep fakes. Like I could make a, I could make a video right now today that looks and sounds exactly like you, Steve, that would be hard for anybody to know. I can make you say and look in, and put you in any part of the world and make you say anything I want. Right. That is that is scary. Hey, speaking of which, oh, so on, on, <laughs> on Lab Code Agents yesterday, which is a, it's kind of like Masters, a little, you know, on a national scale. There was a gal that posted some pictures, and she said, "Look at my photo-generated AI pictures." What does that mean? I I was trying to understand that. How can a how can a picture be of a person? Like, if you took a picture, how do you create a picture of me through artificial intelligence? Explain that, Eric. Yeah, I could take it right now if you wanted. I could just take a, my phone here and put up the screen, take a photo of you, right? Which is not a very great photo. It's just I could take a couple of them, right? And then I could go and within an hour, have you been on a roller coaster ride in Disneyland, have, have gotten married to Joe, you know, been in a bar drink. And it literally looks like you in the lighting, wearing different clothes, shaded, everything. So for instance, like there's there's photographers out there that do headshots, right? You, you <laughs> I could just take a photo right now of myself, go to one of these AI generated photo machines and say, I want to, I want me in a blue suit in front of a desk with an airplane photo behind me and it will look real. And it mm -hmm. will look like I was sitting at a desk in a blue suit with a, with an airplane behind me today. That's when, when I start to say, you know, think as big as you want, you can start to literally think as big as you want. And the answer, if it's not yes today, it's going to be yes, pretty darn soon. Mm -hmm. So when, when you asked me the question earlier, how do I see it in five to 10 years from now? I have no idea because it's very, very hard for us to think exponentially. The Industrial Revolution took 150 years, right? Like the, the mm -hmm. things that happened, take, this is what took 150 years to transform society will take five. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. so when you say it feels like it's coming at you fast, it's coming at you faster than anything you've ever experienced before in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. So, and, and when I say it's written, like pretty much made every website obsolete and software obsolete, literally now that just has to permeate through society and it's going to happen very, very, very fast. I I'm guessing it's going to, we're going to lose probably 30 million jobs in the next four months because of this. My tech guy said that, by the way, I have yeah. a, a, a person I've worked with. He does all of our technology on my team. He's, he's the, one of the smartest people I know. It, from an IT standpoint, I'm not saying, you know, tech company, but like, you know, from, from, you know, everything computer related, internet related, he set up our entire office. He knows everything. He's very, very savvy. And I, 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 he was in here the other day and I go, Hey, what, what do you, what do you think about this AI? He goes, he goes, it's a little scary because there's going to be a lot of white collar jobs that go away. He, he's, he, he said content creation, marketing, just, he he thought it was he and he used the word scary. He said because it's just going to overnight change, you know, a lot. The the reason why scary is probably accurate is because there's such a gap between what the technology can do today and what our institutions and our society is prepared for. 
our public education, our judicial system, our financial system, the way businesses are typically worked together and formed together is being challenged like it's never had been before today. So that's where the chaos is going to come from, is the way our current society structure is. This is this is actually challenging, if you want to get really deep, in my opinion, this is actually challenging the value of a human being's input into a capitalist society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 saying what what is a value, right? Mm-hmm. And we're quickly finding out, well, being a plumber is actually pretty high value. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, being being a framer, pretty high value. Being a paralegal, mm, not so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That so was kind the of blue his, collar, his the blue collar jobs are safe, but the the white collar and the and like someone who's an artist, for example. You can have ChatGPT create photographs, create art and images. They're part of the 30 million that are kind of at risk. But the blue collar, you still need someone to do your plumbing, right? You Crazy, still right? need someone to do your yeah. electrical panel. Almost chat- everybody had it backwards. We all thought we were going to get rid of these workers and the, the laborers and all that kind of stuff. Mm-mm, that was backwards. You know, mm-hmm. we're getting rid of the cognitive, the the. But 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 because they also there there's still going to be value. I'm not an advocate of just replacing people with technology. I, there is a value in wisdom. There's a value in human creativity. There's a value in human connection for sure. But it's challenging it, and it has to fundamentally be discussed about what is that value, and and it has to be really thought out. Because right now, like paralegals, because I'm working on a project that will eliminate probably seventy percent of the need to have paralegals. You think of all the like. Let's talk about this industry specifically. All the people in in title plants. <laughs> right no uh-uh right imagine imagine a time let's I'll, I'll answer your question really about this industry specific imagine a time let's say we still have contracts as they are currently in a pdf form all right and and it's signed. it comes in your email inbox imagine that you don't even get that from the agent it comes in the email then sends it to your ai assistant let's say it's who's he just because that's kind of fun to say and then immediately as it receives it it then sends you a detailed list. Here's all of my players involved. Here's the escrow company. Here's the closing date. Here's when the earnest money is due. You know, here's the addresses for everybody, contact information for everybody. It automatically sends a welcome to the transaction notice to everybody that's accurate and personalized and, and well-written. It automatically opens escrow. It automatically creates a task list of what easements need to be cleared or liens need to be cleared for somebody. Imagine this, right? instantly done. And then you're on your phone, like, and then somebody says, Hey, when is first street closing? Instead of having to go and look up, you say, Hey, who's he? When is first street closing? It closes April 3rd. Cool. Thanks. Cool. It's just streamlined. It streamlines everything. All the mm-hmm. access to data just is frictionless very, very soon. Hmm. Why, I lo- why I the pause? The pause is good. The pause it, means I well, got you. No, thinking. it is. It is. We're thinking through this. Why the 2021 cutoff? Why is that going to change? Will there be a time where it's current on data? Yeah, and so for instance, the 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 next the next kind of technology emerging or plugins, which is really think of them like apps, right? When the app like industry boomed, and it was is because the Apple Store, the App Store essentially, and then Android Store. That's what OpenAI did with ChatGPT. It's it just created an entire new industry for people to create apps using AI. So and that and essentially is a web app using AI to do a certain thing. So for instance, being connected to the internet, like right now, it's already possible to where you're chatting with GPT-4 and you say, well, send that in an email to Steve. 
And then it just is connected to your Google account. It just sends you the email or show me, show me the top five blazers to wear for spring. Right. And bring up the top five. And I'm like, send this one to Joe because he has good taste and ask his opinion. It sends a link to Joe says, Hey, Joe, I'm thinking about buying this blazer. Tell me what you think of it. Send you back. Good. I'll buy that one. And then it just shows up at your house, right? All inside there. So you're going to start to see where people are not going to go to the internet to Google to do things. You're going to go into your natural language to like a or chat GPT to, to do everything. It's going to be the place that you do stuff and receive stuff and get stuff done, mm-hmm. not just get some content created. So can, can this be influenced by advertisers who have something to sell? And the next time you go to, to AI and say, Hey, I need a new drill and it's going to recommend their DeWalt cordless drill every single time. Is there a way that this could be influenced for someone who stands to gain? Yeah. So like SEO, keyword strategies, all that stuff is dying. And is, in my opinion, it's already dead. Like I wouldn't work on it at all. This is just, again, these are my opinions. This isn't set in stone. You guys use your own critical thinking, go in your little common sense box and see if what I'm saying makes sense. But as I see it currently, SEO is completely done. You don't need to get Google ranking really, really soon. You don't have to have keyword strategies. But there will be an AI optimization strategy that needs to have start to happen. Nobody knows really knows what that looks like yet. My personal belief is this is now creating a really important message for people to take social media more seriously, which is unfortunate for me to say. But if you think about it now, if I'm the consumer and I got all this access to all this great information, now I need to know who the expert is. Well, I'm going to go to social media, likely. I'm connected with somebody on social media who can be my expert to help me sort through this stuff. So instead of going to Google and finding somebody, I'm connected to everybody on social media. I already know who's the expert in these things or who could tell me if DeWalt's better than Makita in this example. So I do believe that 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 need to be seen as an expert in something is just getting more and more and more important. Yeah. So there's a there's a kind of counter-surgence of... I think Google has a couple bots that can comb the internet and find something that is AI created, right? So this is important, like if you are in a literature class and you have to do a 20-page report on Napoleon, for example, there's college students that are saying, hey, write a 20-page history, whatever. And and there are places that can identify what was written by AI. And then there's a confluence that's trying to even make it clear that it can't be identified. Like, what are the purposes of this anti-AI identifier and why are they trying to slide under the radar? This is one of the conversations that need to be had. The way the current conversation is being had among the tech giants and politicians and thought leaders across the world is essentially like a watermark of AI-generated content that can be detected. But like any technology, there's offense and then there's defense, right? And so there, there's going to be this arms race of who can outsmart who. So there's going to be periods of time where everything's pretty secure. There's periods of time where there's a, there's a gap, right, in something. And periods of time where we're secure... So right now, yes, there are AI detection models that came out kind of right away for colleges and schools and things like that to see if the students were actually doing the work that they were assigned. But already that, you can find the, the workaround because then you take the AI-generated stuff from ChatGPT, you put it in another one that specializes it, making it sound human, and then you put it through the tester and it tests 100% human, right? So You know what you know, it kind of reminds me of a little bit? 
Do you remember in the 90s and, you know, I guess obviously and prior, you remember when the radio station would play trivia questions or not play? Yeah. They would ask trivia questions. They yeah, would you see be my like, hair? I'm, I'm old enough. Yeah. <laughs> they would they would be like the first caller or the fifth caller, whatever. The, it calls us in and tells us which president did this, this and this. Well, they don't do that anymore because everybody has Google and, and, and you, there's very few. You either have to get really creative on a question so that Google doesn't find it or they just don't do it. And 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 most do very little of it. But it reminds me a little bit of that, like like writing a paper on Napoleon probably won't be something that people kids are assigned in the future because it would just be too easy to do that. So they'll they'll just have to work up other stuff that, you know, it's interesting. Well, I'm going to put the, this is interesting to talk about. I don't want to get off talk of real estate, but this is important to understand the direction because if you can understand the direction or have a general sense of it, then it can make more sense of what to do today. Right. And I see a question here. What are recommendations we have for agents? Like this is part of the understanding is generally what it is and what it isn't. And then kind of the direction that's going. So then hopefully you can put a plan in place. That's, you know, the convergence of those things. Right. So what I mean by that is, is let's say that, the way school was designed originally was to prepare kids for the world as it was then. Well, that's still how it's being done, but the world is dramatically different. So when I say it's challenging the human value in a society, it's challenging also what's important for us to know, what's important for us to memorize, what's important for us to know how to do it, what's important for us to know where it's, it's, it's changing all this so fast. And that's what I mean. That's that's what's if I can use the word scared, I don't get scared very often, but that does scare me because that's going to upset a lot of people because they just believe in a certain way of doing things. This needs to be a complete kind of like, okay, I'm gonna submit. I can't stop this. And we shouldn't want to, by the way. This is this is this is bound to happen. This is technology just evolves. So you can't stop that evolution. So how do you best make it serve people in a really good way? How do we do it with, with a society that's bought into a certain set of morals and standards and ethics? And then, then we go from there. But these conversations are very fresh and very raw because we have a traditional way of thinking is like, oh, this is scary. The, you know, the Terminators are coming, <laughs> you know, and, and they're going to take over the world and, and we're not going to know who's who. And those are very real things. I'm not saying don't be concerned about it, but being concerned and fearful is just going to make you paralyzed and put you far behind. Right. Mm. You need to be diligent and optimistic that humans are going to figure this out and that thought leaders are going to come together. And I encourage everybody to be a thought leader there. Nobody is, there's very few people in the entire world that are natural language models, machine learning experts. Okay. So you can become what's considered an expert pretty quickly, pretty easily by just missing your, you know, immersing yourself in it. So I, I just, I'm trying to give everybody a voice. This isn't just for some people. This should be for, this is a really important conversation. But to answer your question is the, when I say it's challenging all that, it's challenging all like, is songwriting important to be done by a human or not? Is, is poetry important? Is writing a deal like Joe, let, let's imagine in two years from now and you say, hey, Eric, I want to buy this house on on First Street. I'm like, cool. How much you want to spend? You're like, I don't know. Let's get some advice. I'm like, that sounds great. <laughs> you know, and I literally say, what should we what should we offer on First Street to make this deal happen? My AI assistant says, you know, two million four hundred fifty eight thousand because we've had inflation hopefully, or, or appreciation. Right. You go. Great. What's the likely terms that this seller would accept? Here's some suggestions for you. Great. Write that up for me. Good, Mr. Fusillo, I'll have that in your inbox in five minutes. Thank you. That's the direction. Like I can literally see that actually happening already. I can literally build something like that today, take a little bit of time, take a little money, but that's going to get easier and easier very soon. 
and, and maybe the way, it's, there's, there's no way I'll be able to afford that on a future plumber's salary. Uh, <laughs> Who knows what plumbers will be making? <laughs> well, and maybe to to, to to kind of run with your idea, Eric, maybe, I mean, maybe it replaces appraisers. I mean, I, you know, maybe it looks at the comps, it reads what's in the house. It does, it does appreciation. It sees that it There's was no sold. There's no maybe in, about it, Steve. There's yeah, no maybe about it was, it. it sees that it was sold in 2002. It factors appreciation and it just has all these algorithms working together and goes, the value is this, right? You, you Even with inspections, dude, imagine like you with your cell phone walking through the home and videoing it, taking a video of the, of the, of the electrical panel, you know, sending the AI, the, the video of the sewer scope, if you want. And then the AI using the video tells you <laughs> all the things that it sees wrong. It's mm-hmm. it's coming. It's it's literally possible right now. Mm-hmm. So Jeez. so that and same thing with title and escrow, same thing with inspections, photographers, right? It, it, you know, like the ability for you to just take a photo now is pretty good on your cell phone. Imagine now taking it on your cell phone and then telling the AI, I need this, I need this to be on a sunny day. And mm-hmm. it'll just make all the windows be on a sunny day. The sun's shining, whatever you want. I want to. I want to show my house in snow in the Christmas season. I want to show the house with the flowers blooming. I want done. Push button done, right? But that's exciting because that gives us an opportunity to do other things. I think. But the question is, what are those other things? And that does. And that's what. And that's what I get a little concerned over. Do do people currently, as we are now, have the ability to make this very fast transition? the way we've thought about what's valuable and what we do to what we need to be doing in like two years from now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is exciting. There's a little bit of like shit your pants there. Good. I'm feeling like, are we going to cannibalize ourselves? And I mean, I saw war of the worlds and if it wasn't for the measles, the aliens would have taken over. I mean, I know this is a big deal. And Term- I know Terminator Terminator is what comes to mind oh for me. In God. fact, I asked my t- I asked my tech guy, I was like, is this Terminator stuff? He said, no, not yet. But he was talking. Then he started talking about jobs. Yeah. Keep going, Joe. Sorry. I mean, so okay, let me ask that. So, yes, if you, if you wanted to freak us out a little bit, I'm a little freaked out. I'm encouraged and I'm like optimistic and excited for it. But there's a little bit that makes me think, you know, wow, this is a little creepy. So I guess my question, the biggest challenges right now is, is it our knowledge of AI that's holding AI back? Are we the first fax machine owners? Or I mean, what's the biggest challenge for you right now with getting the AI company off the ground? It's very, it's, that's the other cool thing. I'm actually using all AI to launch this company from start to finish, from the formation of the legal documents to the logo creation, to the, the job descriptions, to my onboarding process, to the launch strategy, everything. Mission statements is everything is all AI assistance and and not, not AI delegated. I'm not leaving up to machines. I'm using my expertise and augmenting it with a bunch of cognitive labor that is AI. So never, and this is what's so exciting. And, and, and so to take the, oh shit, your pants thing and put that aside for a second, what, what the way I worked, and maybe you guys are the same way, you know, you'd have all these great ideas. Like you're writing, like, God, I'd really love to launch this campaign. I'd really love to do this for my clients. I'd really love to throw this party. I'd, all these things, right? We have all these great ideas and we don't have enough time. And there's a lot of people that we got to get involved to do it. And it takes a certain creative energy to sit down and, and think through these things. 
man, I'm telling you when I just sit here now, I'm like, I have an idea. And I start going, asking questions. Oh, that'd be good. And I'm like, Oh, a little bit more over here. And it just is this frictionless thing that used to take two weeks to do something from ID iteration to producing the strategy to then executing. You can do it a day in a lot of times, right? Because it's just so quick and effortless. If you understand how to prompt engineer. And if you don't, then you need a, pro a program like Hoozy or to go and learn it. But if you don't, then you are going to be like, well, shit, what do I do with this thing? I'm going to stare at this thing. And what do I do? And how do I ask it? Right. So I see a question is here is what, what recommendations do you have for agents to survive moving forward? Can we like nail that one? Yeah, yeah. go for it, please. I think that's a good question. And by the way, you guys want to go first here. Do you have any suggestions based on, you know, your guys' knowledge and expertise or in this business for, for I, me when i when i when i'm on the precipice of something big like this it for me it's a balancing act of understanding you want to be an early adopter but you don't want to be so early that you're going in the wrong direction right so you want to kind of watch what's happening understand it and and i'll even use the example of google because they have defended themselves and said they said we weren't the first search guys Yahoo was the first search. Others were the first search. Companies that don't exist or barely exist, right? So they said, we just came in and did it best. So, so there's a little element of that. And I'm not saying I don't want to be an early adopter. There's a balance, right? Not to rush out there and go, it's going to be this. And you spend all this energy and, and maybe that wasn't the, the right direction, right? So so I'm curious. I mean, I, I I don't claim to know much about this or or that, or, but I'm curious what you think, Eric. I mean, what are the things you have to say about what agents should be doing to survive? I, I think that the the need to think of a real estate agent's business as a full business is imperative now. And what I mean by that is, you know, we talk about that all the time, business planning and, you know, you have processes and procedures, not let things just happen on accident. Like you don't just close uh, a, a client walking through an open house on accident because they're nice and you're nice. Like you have a strategy, you've practiced, you prepare, you you understand human psychology, you understand how to get you know contact information, how to follow up, and how to win the business. Right? That's business. That's what agents should be focusing on is really understanding the business that they're in is a real business and it has operations, it has financial management, it has sales and marketing, it has strategy and vision and leadership. Think of it that way, and then you say, great, okay. Now, if I need to be a leader of my company, my individual company with just me here sitting, you know, as, a, as an agent here, what is the things that I've always wanted to accomplish that I knew if I did it, it would have a real big benefit for my business. Start with that and mm -hmm. then figure out what can AI do to help me with that? That mm -hmm. would be the way to approach it. You take this huge thing, you small, because what you did before is like an assistant or you have to hire a company to write it for you or do this for you or think it through or, Maybe you don't now. Maybe you can mm -hmm. just use a chat GPT or a Hoozy and get it done now and then mm -hmm. start to elevate your business. That's that's how I would approach it. This isn't this shouldn't be an overwhelming thing because if you want to get something done, you would need to probably go to people to get it done, right? Or ask for help or go to your broker to say who 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 would help me with this? Is there somebody on staff that can help me? You might be able to just use something like Hoozy right now or Chat GPT right now and just get it done. I would just mm -hmm. start with that. What is the things I need in my business? Is there an onboarding thing? Do, do I need to write better scripts? Do, do I need to have a better way to personalize follow-up than just a, you know, an email sequence drip campaign on my clients, right? Do I need this to be more personalized? Would that help my clients? Would that help me? Good. Then let's start there. And, and the answer is probably, yeah, you can probably get that done now very quick. Mm -hmm.
Hmm. Hey, Eric, when are you, have you launched Hoosie? What's your plan there? And if if you haven't, when are you launching it? And give us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So the company itself is launched the, the, the first product, which is the dashboard. So one of the challenges that I, that I saw with, with just chat GPT is like, okay, I have this content and I got to open a word doc and copy and paste over here. And I'm trying to sort through all my conversations. So I'm, I'm creating an actual business flow inside of this platform, just having to use AI as, as part of the, part of the resources that itself will be launched in beta in about two weeks. I have about 150 people. I'm going to be, that are going to be in there. They're bugging and testing, give me feedback of if they like the way the models are trained and if the flow is working and that might last a week or two. And then I'll go into the next phase and, and invite another, maybe hundred people in and, you know, get their feedback. And then I'll probably launch, you know, to the public in probably a month or so. I got a developer meeting in a couple hours. So I'll get an update, hopefully. You know, and, and there's clearly, this is something we want to bring you back on the show, you know, whether that's six months or a year or whatever. And, and cause I, there's going to be new stuff, right? You, you'll have been using it. You'll have, you know, real time experience, what people are doing and how it's, you know, helping their businesses. So it'll be really, really fascinating to, to have I'm gonna that run, I'm going to run this guys by, and I don't, I'm just going to shoot from the hip here. You got two more minutes here to run me. Uh, yeah. 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 So there's a product I put on my on my on my product board here that that I'm going to do probably next for specific for this industry because I'm trying to answer the question like what's practical now. I'm not a guy that like gets wowed by a technology just because technology sakes. I get wowed if it helps my client, you know, have a better experience, helps me be more professional, save more time so I can have time like if it does something, I'm all in. Absolutely. If it doesn't whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was thinking, and gosh, we got 33 people in here. I'd love to hear if anybody has any feedback here, if this would be a, a valuable product for you. But I was thinking, Joe, what if you had a phone number that you, or something like this, this is the current iteration of my idea. You have this phone number and you advertise it on all your flyers on your website or gave out to your clients. You're like, Hey, listen, text any question you want about any listing 24 seven. Okay. This number now is connected to the RMLS and, and they, and I could say, Joe, how big are the bedrooms, you know, on the listing on whatever the bedrooms are this size, this size, here's pictures of them. Cool. What school district is it? It's this school district. And here's a report card. Awesome. Show me, show me what the kitchen looks like. Here's a picture of the kitchen. You'll notice it was updated in, in, you know, 2007. Cool. When can I see it? Here's a link to my calendar. Click a button when you want to see it. Right. But you've never done this. This is just all automated. <laughs> you didn't, you never answered one of these text messages. Okay. So I think it's personally, I should just shut up and ask you guys, but I was thinking that would be a, a valuable tool for the customer and a valuable tool for the agent, both of a practical application of this technology. What do you, what do you think of something like that? It's, it, it, yeah. boxes, yeah. right. It's anytime you could save time and money, then you're being more efficient. And this answers all the questions. And I could have been on a beach somewhere. Right. And someone's getting all the information they want instantaneously. So I think everybody wins. And most importantly, how they want it. And the user interface is something I'm focused on because that is the entire experience. The data is just one thing. But if it's not in the quantity that I want, in the language that I want, in the modality that I want, the exact timing that I want, then it's kind of it's whatever. It's just it's just information. But if I'm like laying in bed at 10 o'clock at night and I'm you people text on their phone late at night, right? It's a modality that everybody uses. 
but then I'm not having a search for all the listings. Or I could say, Joe, I want to know what listings in Lake Oswego are between 549 and 569 in the text message. Boom. All that just comes right in the text messages. Click on it, view the whole listing if you want, or send me... It's it's that sort of relationship with the information that I think is really important, right? It's it's the convenience of it, right? Mm -hmm. you, could, you could even ask it, how can I be more efficient, right? You can go to, you can, you know, somebody says, hey, I, I close $5 million in real estate a year, but I want to close $10 million. How can I make my job more efficient? I mean, would that be a fair question? Could it? Absolutely. Like I'm doing case studies right now. So a guy that owns a company that's in the it's in the commercial sort of space, not to give away his company, but he, he provides a service in, in to business to business. He had an employee that he really wants to, to keep on hourly salary, but he wants to figure out a creative commission structure to, to keep this employee. So I use Hoosie. Put in all the parameters of the employee. Put in the put in the, the the amount of money that he makes on the job. The amount of time that the, the employee spends driving on average. All these different sets of information. I said, come up with a creative commission structure that would help motivate the employee and maximize the time that he's actually in front of a client. What would be the ways I can incentivize him? Started giving me some great ideas, and then I took those, I added to it, created a little report, and sent it back. That was done in like an in like an hour. I'm talking a real detailed strategy employee. Like I, I created an email to invite the employee to the meeting. I created a follow up email to thank the employee afterwards. I created a form for him to like noodle around through when having the meeting together. All of this stuff, right? Like this, this, this. So yes, it's a what you get out of AI is kind of a reflection of how deep of a thinker you are, how creative you are, how knowledgeable you are in your business. If you're faking it. In your business, you're not going to be able to use AI very well because it's a game of input output. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean by this gap creator, Steve. You know, mm -hmm. if you have somebody that understands their business, understands what they need to get done, they're going to use AI really well and they're going to dominate. That's that's mm -hmm. my thought. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. it's, a it's a reflection of, of, of how good you are at thinking through your business. It makes me think that you know, there's always going to be that one person needed. But it's gonna it's gonna really limit or eliminate the other people behind the scenes that were helping that person gather information, right? Yeah. yeah. This happens on my team a lot, where a, a client will ask a question and I'll fire it off to a team member and say, "Research this," and then they'll bring it back to me. I sift through it and then I call the client and answer the question. Saved me a tremendous amount of time, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I often think about. When 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 that happens, it, 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 I'm heavily leveraged, right? I'm able to to have you know these clients. They think I did all this research, hours of research, but really somebody else did it and gave it to me. It oftentimes when I think about that, I think about a guy like you know like a Stephen Colbert or so, or somebody on it on a talk show where they their jokes are so great because somebody behind the scene did yes. hours and hours of research, went through every video clip of some politician to find that one time they said something that's contradicting them right now or so, you know what I'm talking about? You, It makes Stephen Colbert look like, like he's a genius, but really there's 50 people behind him. What my point is here is the Stephen Colbert's of the world or, or, the, or the, the, the lead persons aren't the ones that their jobs are at risk. It's the the people behind them helping them gather information and 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 put it in front of them. The person they'll still need to be that front person to sift through the information and go, okay, I'm going to talk. You know, I'm going to use this. I don't know. That, no, no, you're spot that, on. And when you when you ask yourself why is that, 
why is there value in Stephen Colbert, but not in the researcher? If they're the important, if they're the really the, the the source of what he's saying, why is it that he then reaps all the reward? Well, it's because there's a certain X factor that Stephen has that his team just doesn't have, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of what I'm talking about. Developing an X factor, understanding who you are and who you aren't is going to be really important. And if you think that your value is, I'm going to help Steve find shit, you know, on his deals, it's not a value anymore, right? Maybe, maybe that person can form another role because they've got a great relationship with you and understand the business and all that. So that's why when it says it challenges the human value, this is, you're picking, you're getting it exactly. You're getting it exactly. I have to tell you, Eric, we have never had as many questions and comments. In fact, it's it's a little bit overwhelming because I normally on our on these shows we try to address everyone and there's just so many and there's such good stuff and we're we are running out of time because I do I do have a one o'clock yeah. appointment. I think it's I think it's a testament to the fact that we need to get you back on here and and maybe sooner than later maybe ninety days or one hundred twenty days four months. We want you to launch. We want you to start working. Hopefully, some of these people reach out to you. Do you want to give out what's the best? I mean, is our website what how how should people contact you? If you do want to contact me directly, you go to whoosielaunch.com. It's just a crappy little site that I put up just to for my beta testers to give me their emails so I could, you know, start communicating with them. And I put my development team on the development, not advertising on a fancy, you know, landing page yet. That'll be done next week. But you can go to whoosielaunch.com. You can email me there or email me if you just have a direct question. Eric, E-R-I-C, at whoosie.ai. I'll answer your email that way. And, you know, again, I I think that this community, this real estate community is, is primed for this. I think that there's a, there's a big contingent of people that have some great ideas, some great, you know, intent of serving their client at a high level, but there's a lot of friction to do so. So I think that's going to knock some of those friction points down. So I'm hoping that this is not a shit your pants conversation. This is like, you know what? I've never been able to do more for my client than I ever have before. That should be really exciting. And if it's not, then you're in the wrong business. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. exciting. This is like the first book, the Game of Thrones series, right? <laughs> yeah. We could go on for another hour and a half and yeah, I totally. would still not run out of questions. Yeah. It is mind-blowing. It is exciting. You're a dynamic guest. And I mean, look, people are still writing comments and questions. So we got to have you back. And we want to have it like tested and implemented in real life. And then maybe come back, hear some success stories of what you took this person in their business and where they are. Kind of like a, what's the show where you go and you... Shark Tank? Yeah, sure. It's kind of like yeah, a sure. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like okay, yeah. where are they now? Six months later, and then you yeah, know, yeah. I went to Hoozy, and and now I have a fleet of Rolls Royces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've already I've already got a couple of really cool success stories because Hoozy is actually it is the platform itself, but it's also the the customization of this for somebody. So if somebody says, "Gosh, I just want to be able to handle my leads much more efficient," cool, I'll design something for you. Right? It's it's also a service based agency, so it's it's also got agency service as well. And that, and that's a key thing because, you know, you asked earlier about execution. When you train a model, you do something very specific. It needs to be accurate. It needs to give you the responses you're looking. It can't give you a bunch of garbage and inaccurate stuff and feels like it's lying to you, right? So it does require some thought and to put together to make sure that's doing what you want it to do. That's it's got to be done right. And I caution people 
just to launch ChatGPT in a chat box on your website. You know, it will produce random shit for your clients and it'll make you look bad. You don't want that. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, it, great we didn't stuff. talk. Great we stuff. didn't talk about the ethics of those chat bots. You know, someone talking with a computer and doesn't know it's a computer. Ethics is another thing we'll talk about next time. Please, but it's we're going to put all of your contact in info in all the publications. We can be found on wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as a YouTube channel, as well as an email that goes out. We'll have all your stuff out there, so people that have more questions or want to get a hold of you, they can. Thank you guys. Great and great job on the questions and by, you know, bringing this topic to your listeners. Thank you guys for the great questions. I'm, I'm excited. There, there, there is that moment of like shit your pants, but I got over that real quickly because I have a lot of faith in people and, and I have faith in people to learn how to do the right things, do the right things for themselves, their families and their clients. And I, I, I have faith and I don't think that's misplaced. So let's, let's continue the awesome. chat. Okay. Right. Well, we'll put a bow on this one. Thank you, Eric. And we can't wait to get you back on here. And sorry to our listeners if we didn't get to your question this time. That's very rare on here. But I think it's just a testament to how dynamic this conversation is and how, how much interest there is in it. And yeah, lots to go over. So all right, we'll, guys. We'll get awesome. we'll get you back on here soon. Thanks. And hands, both of you are just handsome devils, by the way. Just, you know. <laughs> That's the AI brothers once. <laughs> See you. Okay. Bye. <laughs> See ya. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, Oregon and Washington's number one show for cutting edge real estate discussions. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to the members of Masters in Real Estate, a private and exclusive Facebook group and the number one source for all real estate topics. Thanks for being there, gang. I love you. Finally, I want to thank our faithful listeners. Without an audience, we're just two guys talking to each other. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so the new episodes automatically come to you. Make it great. <laughs>